Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. In small caps, we found something really fascinating, which was that more than 100% of the turn was coming at night over the last 20 years. And that the daytime session over the last 20 years has been a net negative. I think it was about a negative 3%. So you were getting about 3% more return just by holding the night. And you were getting it with about 55% of the volatility of buy and hold. Hi, and welcome to Exchange Traded Fridays, a weekly ETF.com podcast that covers all the big topics in ETFs. I'm Managing Editor Heather Bell, and I'm joined by my longtime colleague, Sameet Roy. Hey, Sameet. Hey, Heather. Great to be on the podcast. Always great to record with you. Today, we're speaking with Bruce Levine, CEO of Nightshares. Thanks for joining us, Bruce. Thanks for having me, Heather. I've got a lot of questions. For- All right. <laughs> We've got a lot of questions for you. Um, so just to you know, get things started, I was wondering if you could talk about the investment argument underlying the Nightshares products. Sure. It's a really fascinating uh, anomaly that we found in markets where historically much of the return that investors get uh, is coming during the overnight session, which is really just buying at the close one day and selling the next morning at the open. And much of the volatility is coming during the daytime session. So the day and the night behave extremely differently. And we find that over time, uh, the night session is a better rewarded session. And so we decided to launch ETFs that capture this by tilting toward the night and away from the day. So that's kind of the premise of night shares. And the research got discovered organically um, by the team I was working with that was running a hedge fund. But only later did I find that it's actually something that's been written about in academia for a very long time, you know, like 25 years, uh, pretty broadly, that there is something going on um, with the overnight markets beating the daytime markets. So anyway, that is the premise of my jurors. Bruce, what's the performance difference between an overnight holding period strategy versus traditional buy and hold? Yeah, great question. So what we found in large cap space was that you were getting about 75% of the return of buy and hold coming at the night, and you're getting only about 60% of the volatility if you just held at night. So a very different looking product. Um, in small caps, we found something really fascinating, which was that more than 100% of the return was coming at night over the last 20 years, and that the daytime session over the last 20 years has been a net negative. I think it was about a negative 3%. So you were getting about 3% more return just by holding the night. And you were getting it with about 55% of the volatility of buy and hold. In the case of small caps, it was a very, very uh, big improvement in, you know, sort of risk-adjusted returns. Super interesting. I'm just looking at the data on your website, and it looks like with small cap, you're getting a higher return just with the night session over buy and hold. While with large caps, you're getting slightly lower returns, but less volatility. Is that right? That is right. Um, we just launched a third fund last week, the ticker's NSPL, and that one is 100% invested uh, all the time, but then it adds an extra 50% just at night. 
So that one is designed for the investor that wants a good risk-adjusted experience, but actually wants something that would outperform buy and hold. So NSPY, which is our first S&P 500-related fund, it you know has sort of better risk-adjusted returns, but less returns. So that would, that would be someone who's looking to sort of uh, just have a good risk-adjusted trade. And the other one is more of an outperformance vehicle. Gotcha. And what's the nature of the academic studies on this? Do you think the night effect has changed over time as have, as markets have evolved and you know we've had more algorithmic trading going on and more internet-based trading and things like that? Has the night effect become more pronounced over time or less pronounced? Do you have any data on that? Uh, it's been pretty pronounced in the last five years, actually. Year to date through June 30th, it was, well, actually year to date in total, uh, you know, if you only held the night, you'd be down less and buy and hold. Um, but it has been strong in the last five years. And you know, this is one of the funny things because the concept has been known and yet it persists. And so people always ask me, well, won't I get barbed away? Um, but, but my answer to that is experience says no, right? It hasn't been. And also the night effect works over time. It doesn't work all the time. And so it's not, it's not an easy ARP. You know, it's more like a, like a factor that you have to be in it for a while. And so, um, you know, that's what we've had, we found since we launched. Uh, we got out of the gate June 28th and we had a, that was really like the low, of, right before that bear market rally that took us from 3,600 on the S&P to 4,300. And in that stretch, we underperformed. Um, most of the gains came during the day, but now what we've found uh, in the last 30 days or so is we're making uh, much of that back as the markets have been quite dicey during the day sessions lately. Bruce, could you walk us through how the Nightshares funds get their exposure or accomplish the exposure that they're targeting? So it's really simple, actually. Uh, on the first two, the, the NSPY and the NIWM, they hold cash collateral in the form of sweet, sweet cash and treasuries. And then at night, they buy the futures contracts and sell them the next morning. They're the only ETFs that toggle back and forth between fully invested overnight and essentially go to you know, a cash-like profile during the day. And we set it up that way for a number of reasons, including trying to minimize the transaction costs of doing it using uh, highly liquid futures contracts, trying to get you a return on your cash collateral, which you know, is growing lately as rates have gone up. So Bruce, super interesting strategy, but I'm almost wondering, are there any risks? And one that comes to mind, hypothetically, if we had one or two really big intraday reversals, could that hurt the return from for these strategies? I'm thinking of a case where stocks gap down hard at the open and then recover by the end of the day. Would that have a dramatic impact on the ETFs? Absolutely. I mean, that would be, you know, uh, that's the scenario where we underperform the most. So the way to think about this is we're meant to be a diversifier to your portfolio, not to be a replacement for everything. You know, it's not that day never wins. It's that over time, day tends to have lots of big wins and lots of big losses by comparison to night. And, and so from a volatility and, and drawdown perspective, um, the day is, you know, is the place that can hurt you more. So we, we tell investors, look, you own basically 100% of the night and 100% of the day and everything that you're doing. Um, when you look at the numbers historically, you know, would you rather have more night or day? And they say night and we say, well, great. So if you blend in night shares, then you're tilting your portfolio, you know, much as you would any other factor, you know, more night, less day. 
And so that's, I think, what, what we're talking about. But absolutely, there are individual days where you would prefer to just own the day. Absolutely. Super interesting. I like how you characterize it as a night factor and a day factor. That's, that's really interesting. It, it is because, you know, the markets have been sort of <laughs> cut in almost every way you can think about, you know, by sector, by factor. Um, but they haven't really been cut by time. And, and it just turns out that it's really different when you look at the night stream and the day stream. It's really, really different. Bruce, I was wondering what kind of causes these two different time periods in like, you know, the 24 hour day, like what causes them to perform so differently? You're talking about like bigger kind of moves and swings in the daytime as opposed to nighttime. And I was just wondering, is that like because fewer people are operating or they're more like institutional type investors? What's driving that? Yeah, no, it's a $64,000 question. But you know, I've heard it described by one of the professors who wrote about this as markets are reacting to macro news both day and night, but only in the daytime session are there are markets reacting to investor behavior, right? So there definitely is a behavioral component here. During the night, very few people are trading, and and so it's kind of buy and hold overnight. I think people sometimes confuse that we're trading overnight, but we're not. We're just buy and hold overnight. But you know, during the day, you have investors reacting to each other. And you know, trying to pick each other off in some cases, and and that net result of that seems to be quite negative for risk-adjusted returns of markets. And I will say, by the way, this the night effect is something that has been found in the local markets, basically around the world. So, uh, if you were a German investor and you buy the German close and sell the German open, um, you have better risk-adjusted returns than you know doing the opposite trade during the day. So. It, uh, whether, whether you're in Tokyo or anywhere else, it, it, it is held up around the world. So there's something very structural about it. I'm glad you brought that up, Bruce, because I was going to ask you, are there any other segments of the market or international markets that have shown to benefit from the night effect? Yeah, so it's, it's all the local equity markets. I mean, we've tested it across asset classes. You know, we find things like high yield bonds, which act like equities and have a bit of a night effect. We have found it in some commodities. We have looked at other segments of the bond market, some of which have it almost in reverse, like the short end of the bond market is sort of the flip side of the equity trade. So um, has better daytime performance and lesser nighttime performance. So there's a few things we've looked at, um, but we tried to come out early on with just the large liquid benchmarks because one of the challenges with the night effect is capturing it. And so we wanted to use tools that allow us to capture it. Bruce, I just wanted to shift gears a little bit. Your firm just started launching funds into what is kind of an awful market. And I was wondering, what are the trends that you are kind of like keeping your eye on as a small ETF issuer? Like what in the ETF space is catching your eye right now or is, you know, something you want to follow? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So... I guess, you know, good and bad news, right? People are a little shell-shocked right now and playing defense for the most part. Although, you know, as, as the market creeps lower here, there are some people looking to play offense. But on the flip side, there's a lot of money in motion and it's in motion for a lot of different reasons. You know, one is people have tax losses. And so there's a lot of tax loss harvesting going on. Um, you have a completely different bond regime for the first time in a long time. So it used to be there is no alternative, Tina, and now it's probably something like uh, 
there is an alternative, you know, TN or something. And, you know, cash and bonds are an alternative for the first time in a long time. So that's put money in motion. I think uh, investors have seen this year that there are a lot of alternative strategies that have done them quite well. So some of the more, you know, esoteric and complicated strategies, many of which have launched in ETFs, have held up quite well this year. And so I think uh, there is a thirst for new things. I think there's a thirst for diversifiers or alternatives. You know, there's always this group of people that think uh, active management, you know, the time is now and, and passive is, you know, going to underperform the next few years. So I think we, we see a lot of opportunity coming from all that. I imagine the fourth quarter is going to see some very interesting flows across the industry. Absolutely. Uh, fixed income definitely seems like it's maybe finally going to start getting more attention in the ETF space, it looks like. Yeah, I was looking at the flows in ETFs and it's actually, it's an interesting barbell around fixed income. There's a lot of flow into the short-term duration, whether it's uh, treasuries, floating rate, short-term corporates, there's big flows in. And then when you look at things like high yield bonds and some of the mortgage related, you know, there's flows out. So there's definitely been a flight to sort of quality uh, in the bond world. And, you know, again, because you're getting paid some real yields for the first, well, I shouldn't say real yields because they're not, because they're still negative real yields, but you are getting paid some absolute yields that look attractive for the first time. Yeah, we were we were actually just commenting on how tips had seen kind of a big outflow this morning when we were in our you know morning meeting to discuss what's going on in the markets. And I mean that seems counterintuitive, but I think the timing on the tips is what matters and now that we're in the thick of so much inflation they're just not making sense for people right now. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, you know, it's weird, right? Because you say real yields are like minus four or something, right? Inflation's eight and yields are four. But, it, you know, that's extrapolating to the very long term. And we were at one and a half percent inflation like 18 months ago. And so, you know, the world can change pretty quickly. You know, if you were to see gas prices come down, some resolution in the Ukraine-Russia conflict, you know, you could see you know, a return to much different inflation levels pretty quickly. Absolutely. Extrapolation is a dangerous thing in the markets. <laughs> it is, but that's what they do, right? <laughs> we'll have to end it there. Um, thank you so much for appearing on the podcast, Bruce. This has been really an interesting conversation. Thank you so much, Heather. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Listeners, thanks again for tuning in to Exchange Traded Fridays. You can find this and all our other episodes on the ETF.com website and on all the major podcast platforms. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.